Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Brian Candelo. I'm always curious about what people choose to do with their free time. We live in the land of opportunity, and so there are many opportunities afforded us to do all kinds of different things. And I think what someone chooses to do with their free time tells a lot about who they are. It, it gives you a little bit of insight into their personality. And so I want to start with some ideas. Here's what some people do with their free time. And if you have yet to make like a summer fun list, maybe you'll add a couple of these things to that list. catch your breath a little bit, especially that last one? I mean, where's that line between, wow, that is really living, and wow, you are crazy? Because that line exists, right? I mean, what pushes people to do things with potentially harmful consequences? What pushes people to do things with definitely harmful consequences, right? And beyond just extreme sports, why do we do things that have the potential to hurt us? Why do we give ourselves to things that are less than helpful? You see, there are many things we can do with our lives, but are they all beneficial? We have the power to do so many things, but are they wise? 
And that's the question I want to talk about this morning. We're continuing on in our Culture Shock series. We're talking about finding our way and influence in a changing world. And if you were here the past couple of weeks, Steve talked about wisdom. And then he talked last week about the politics of Jesus. And it was a, a fantastic message, truly. It was so good, actually, that I almost just wanted to show the video and not preach this week so we could double dip on that thing. But I thought that might be a cop-out, so I did prepare something. But uh, it was excellent. If you didn't get a chance, uh, make sure you listen to that message. We're blessed to have Steve as a leader here at Salem Alliance. And so that's a good thing. I also want to let you know that the next two weeks in this series, we're going to talk about sexuality, our culture and sexuality. And so parents, I just bring that up. I know that you're the gatekeeper of that with your children, but I want you to know that that topic is coming over the next couple of weeks. And maybe so far you've had questions. Maybe today we'll generate questions or you'll have questions in the upcoming weeks. We do have an email address. We know you can't always get those answered here in this place, but you can email that email address and um, somebody really smart will, will answer all that for you. So that's great. Hey, today we are eventually going to get to the topic of marijuana. Uh, happy Father's Day. Uh, <laughs> seems a little bit like, I didn't choose, it just happened. It just worked out. I didn't choose this topic, but that's where we are. But before we get there, we want to kind of see a bigger picture. We're going to look at two verses from 1 Corinthians, and it kind of their society mirrors our society in a lot of different ways. And so I want to read these verses, and they'll be up on the screen for you as well. But when you hear these verses, they, they sound almost identical. And it's this cultural theme that they had. The first one is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. And then if you flip over... First uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, it's going to sound the same. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Now, as you look at this and you see the I am allowed to do anything is in, in quotation marks. And that's not, that's not biblical truth. I just want you to know that that phrase, it's not, we don't, encourage our children to memorize that. We don't use that in baby dedications. That's not something that we throw out there. That is on there because that is a slogan that the Corinthian culture had adopted. And, and we want to learn a little bit about them. And so uh, first, here's something about them. They had a very high opinion of themselves. They kind of felt like they had reached the height of human potential. Like all of history was kind of leading up to them and they were sitting there at the pinnacle of human achievement. And I think a lot of different cultures view that all the way along and we might even think that way, but we look back at them and we're like, you didn't even have Chipotle, so it's <laughs> hard pressed to be at the pinnacle of society. The other thing we need to know about them is that they thought that, that matter, like physical, the physical is inherently evil. The physical world is evil, and the only way to emancipate yourself from that evil of the physical world is to learn about spiritual things, is to lean into spiritual things. And as a result of that line of thinking, they had a very dim view of the body. One of their philosophers of the day said, I am a soul shackled to a corpse. It's a happy thought, right? The soul 
was important, the body was not. And because of that, out of that rose this dualism that they lived in, this dualism between the spiritual and the physical. And they felt like what truly mattered was spiritual. And as long as you were gaining spiritual knowledge and having spiritual experiences, then the physical, that was so much less important. The broken body didn't really matter. So, so what were you to do with that? If it was inherently evil, if it was irredeemable, what do you do with the broken body? Well, you could become an ascetic. An ascetic is someone who just stuffs down all of their urges, who lives this rigid lifestyle of self-denial. That's one way of living, but it's not very fun. So the Corinthians decided that if material things were irredeemable and the only thing that mattered is the spirit, then you might as well enjoy material pleasures until they pass away. And so in Corinth, physical appetites were not only tolerated, they were celebrated. They were not only tolerated, they were celebrated as Christian freedom. The more free you were as a Christian, the more you indulged in your physical appetites. And that slogan rose up. I am allowed to do anything because I am spiritually free. Now that should give us pause, right? Shouldn't we go, wait a second, that's not wisdom? That doesn't sound right. And yet in many ways, I feel like our culture has come to the same conclusion. I think we've taken different paths, but we've arrived at the same destination. I don't think that we think dualism is exactly accurate, but I think because we believe that we are autonomous, that we know what's best for us, then we can act the way that we want to act. And so we don't use the slogan, I am allowed to do anything. We use slogans like, it's my life, or it's my body, or I'm not hurting anyone, or I can do what it is that I want. And so Paul, in these verses, he's responding to this way of life that they have. And in chapter 10, he's saying, yeah, yeah, you say this, but not everything is good for you. Not everything is beneficial for you. In, in chapter 6, you say these things, not everything is good for you again. And you must not be a slave to anything. Verse 13 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the same kind of slogan. Another thing, it's in quotes here. It was one of their slogans. Food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. It's this idea, right? If you feel a need, fulfill it. If you have an appetite, indulge it. But Paul says the problem with that is that you then become a slave to your appetites. If you live a lifestyle that I can do what I want, you become a slave to the things that you are doing. You see, the big idea we need to grab a hold of is that we have the power to do many things, but we should not be overpowered by anything. We have the power to do a whole lot of different things, but those things should not overpower us. See, we all have appetites, right? God gave us appetites, but sin distorted them. Our appetites aren't bad, they're just broken. And when we give ourselves to these broken appetites, we find that we're under their authority. We're under their power. They rule over us. I have the opportunity almost every spring break to take high school students to Mexico, and it's just an awesome, awesome trip. 
On the trip down there isn't awesome. Once we're there, it's really awesome. But we, we rent vans in San Diego and we drive across the border and we build houses in some pretty remote places. One year in particular, I'm, I'm driving a rented 15 passenger van with another leader and I'm, I'm riding up on this ridge and I'm going from one workspace to the other workspace and um, I'm going down this road. Don't think roads actually. Think uh, muddy slip and slides. Is, that's the mental picture I want you to have. And I'm going, and there's a way to get to this house, right? It goes all the way, way down and around and loops around and gets back. But somebody has made this path, this slip and slide, directly to my left that goes directly to that house. And I'm thinking a couple of things. First of all, I'm thinking it's a rental. And second, <laughs> uh, not good stewardship, but it's a rental. And second, I'm thinking, I got this. I can do this. And so I turn to go down this hill. Now, have you ever made one of those decisions that you knew was the wrong decision, but once you made it, there was no getting out? Like, it's just like that. You've made those decisions as well as I have. Uh, as soon as I started to turn down this hill, the person that was in the van with me was like, oh. And I had my foot on the brake, and I'm just slowly sliding down this hill. And I'm trying to steer a little bit, and nothing's happening. I'm at the mercy of the mud. And you know how stable those 15 passenger vans are. Um, it starts to turn sideways as we're going down this muddy hill. And I'm thinking to myself, honestly, I could probably bail out right now. We're going pretty slow, but that would not be good leadership for the other leader in the vehicle. And so I just kind of had to wait it out while all the students were laughing at me from the bottom of the hill. I was behind the wheel. I was at the control panel, but I didn't have any control. And, and we can be like that in our lives, can't we? When we give ourselves over to our appetites, we can be behind the wheel. You can even have your foot on the brake like, no, no, no. And yet, you can lack control of your life. That's what Paul's saying. We have so many appetites. Appetites for food and drink and drug. Maybe it's physical intimacy. Maybe it's video games. Maybe it's progress or respect or to be first, to be loved. Maybe it's fame and recognition. Maybe it's stuff and maybe it's comfort. And all of these things, they're vying for control of our lives. And what typically wins in the battle between appetites and wisdom? I mean, think about it. We've got a drive and a desire and an ambition and an appetite. And oftentimes those things will outpace your wisdom. And that's why you catch yourself saying things like, I didn't want to do that, but I did it again. Or I can't believe I ended up in this same place again. You see, our appetites are never fully and finally satisfied. Remember when your parents said, don't eat that, you'll ruin your appetite. What did we always know? We were going to get another appetite. If you're a teenager, it takes about 15 minutes. <laughs> but you knew that. But the lie that we want to believe is, we want to believe this lie that, that there is something out there that will fully and finally satisfy that appetite. And, and we want to think that it's something that's earthly. And so we try and feel that. We try and give ourselves to those things, but they don't work. And then we fall under their power. And honestly, it's within this bigger context that I want to talk about marijuana. I want to talk about it with this idea of there's so many things that you can do, but you shouldn't be under the power of any of those things. Now, there's no specific verse in Scripture that talks about marijuana. 
A couple of weeks ago, uh, Dr. Fowler said something along the lines of, thou shalt not smoke a joint, I think is what he said. Um, I didn't find it anywhere in scripture. It's not there. But people who are proponents of marijuana typically know two verses. They know Genesis 1:29, and God has given us every seed-bearing plant. And Luke chapter six, do not judge me. Those are the verses. <laughs> That's the verses that they use. And we don't have a verse that says don't use marijuana, but we do want to look at what wisdom is. We do want to look at what the principles of Scripture are. That's why we go to 1 Corinthians 6 and 1 Corinthians 10, and we find out that, yeah, sure, there's a lot of things you could do. Is it good for you? Is it beneficial? Does it have power over you? Because we're not to be a slave to any of those things. Now, over the past month and a half, I've read a lot of scholarly articles on this topic. I have read a bunch. As a matter of fact, if you looked at my internet history, you would think I have a serious problem. <laughs> I actually had to tell my wife, listen, if you bump into any of these things on our internet history, it's for work. Don't worry. It's just for work. No big deal. But everything I've read is impassioned. There are a lot of impassioned people about this topic. And everything I read was impassioned people using research. And most of the research is the same, but they were coming to different conclusions. Everybody has an idea. Some say it's good, some say it's not good. Everybody's falling on different sides and everybody's passionate about it. Now, as I researched, I bumped into a couple things that I wanna share with you this morning. First, I want just a word about medical marijuana. I'm not really talking about medical marijuana. Doctor prescribed marijuana. Does a lot of things that other medications don't and makes a difference in the lives of a lot of people. And I even know parents that feel guilty in using that with their children, but that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, you could take any prescription medication and abuse it, right? That's not what we're saying. I'm saying doctor prescribed marijuana works in a lot of instances. I'm talking about recreational use. That's what I'm talking about. And I, I kept bumping into three different issues that I just want to bring up. First is this. Marijuana is just like alcohol. It's no big deal. And both are, yes, subject to abuse, but there are some differences. And one of the first differences is this. You can drink alcohol because you like the taste. You can have a drink at dinner. You can have a drink in the evening. That's fine. You can drink alcohol not to get drunk. But people that smoke marijuana don't necessarily smoke marijuana because they like the acrid smell or their lungs burning. They smoke marijuana because they want to get high. And so to me, that's, that's a difference. You don't have to drink to get drunk, but when you smoke marijuana, you do smoke it to get high. And it's this idea of losing control, of disengagement. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but that's one of the differences. Another difference is this, the half-life of alcohol in your body is a matter of hours. The half-life of marijuana in your body is anywhere from four to seven days. And so people who say, I only smoke on the weekends, it truly is continuing to have an effect throughout the week, even if it's just weekend recreational use. There's a difference. Now, they are finding some similarities when it comes to impaired driving. I read this CNN article that talked about Washington State in the, the year prior to legalization and then the year after legalization. They discovered that fatal crashes involving drivers who recently used marijuana more than doubled. And they think that that's gonna be kind of an epidemic as it goes across the nation. They're discovering that in places where it's legal. 
And so you could say, yeah, no, it's exactly the same. And yeah, you could abuse it, but you don't have to. But it seems to be there's some differences there. It's not exactly like alcohol. The second thing I kept bumping into is, is marijuana addictive? Can't you just walk away? Most people could just walk away from marijuana. And studies suggest that 9% of people who use marijuana will become addicted. Now that doubles in the life of a teenager. And pretty much all the effects of marijuana on the life of a teenager are significant. Um, more significant than an adult because their brains are still you know, building new connections and they're maturing and all of that kind of stuff. But 9%. And studies would say that, yes, by comparison, marijuana is less harmful and less addictive than other drugs. But as you look at it, let's be honest, it's still one in 10. And is the standard that we want to use, it is less harmful and addictive than other drugs. What if I took you out car shopping and I took you to this car lot and I said, here, this, this is an amazing car I wanna show you. It is fantastic. You are gonna feel so good driving this car, but it's gonna explode 50% of the time. Wouldn't you be like, two questions, what kind of car lot is this? And why would I ever wanna do that? And I said, no, okay, yeah, that one's, that's extreme. You don't, you don't want to do that. It's great. It'll make you feel great. But this one, 25% of the time, though, it's going to drive you into a tree. And you'd be like, wait, you have anything else for me to look at? And I said, no, there's one more. It's going to make you feel so good and so mellow, and you'll be able to relax. But 10% of the time, it's just going to drive you off into the weeds, if you will. <laughs> wouldn't you? Wouldn't you question that? Wouldn't you want to see something else? Wouldn't you ask me if this place had bikes <laughs> or golf carts? Because I, I know there's, there's a comparison, and yes, it is less, and a lot of people have the ability to walk away. And I think so many of us would say, that'll never be me. That would never be me. You don't know uh, my usage. You don't know who I am. I would never fall into that habit. I would never become addicted or dependent upon that. Somewhere out there, 10% of the population is. That's a big deal. Third thing I bumped into was this question. Is marijuana a gateway drug? This idea of will it lead to worse things? And studies would show this. There is a correlation, but not necessarily a causation. The correlation is this. People they find that have used harder drugs started with marijuana, yes. But a causation, does marijuana lead you to that? It's not really proven. As a matter of fact, it's not the biggest indicator. The biggest indicator is socioeconomic. It's, it's where do you live and how much money do you grow up with and who is around you and who do you see doing this? The truth of the matter is if you're around it more, you're more likely to try it. That's just what is true about it. It's a complicated question. But what everybody does agree on is that you begin to build up a tolerance the more you use marijuana. And the same potency of marijuana doesn't give you the same high that it used to. I read an article in uh, New York Times and it said that plain old pot has lost its edge. That people need more and more and more to get the same amount of high to the point where they're now extracting the oils from the marijuana leaf so that they can have a far higher potency. And it's saying that these effects are supercharged. It's, it's a, a wax. It's called dabbing when they do it. And the article said that if marijuana is beer, then this dabbing is the vodka. And it's saying, guess what? 
Is it a gateway drug? Yeah, there's correlation, not causation, but from what we're seeing, it's starting to lead people down a road to try more and more potent marijuana. And we don't know where that's gonna lead yet. We have the power to do many things, but we should not be overpowered by anything. And this was an easy issue when it was illegal, right? I mean, it wasn't an easy issue. It was still debated, but we could say, you know, everyone must submit to the governing authorities, Romans 13. But now that it's legal, people are saying, see, it's fine. It's legal. It's fine. But the right question isn't, is it legal? A better question, is it wise? A better question, does it glorify God? Do I glorify God when I'm high? A principle that I learned years ago is it's not how much I can get away with, but how holy I can live. You know, so often we want to just push things right to the edge, right to the limit. How much can I get away with? No, that's not how we're supposed to live. It's not about is it legal or illegal. Is it wise? Does it glorify God? And I think beyond just the physical effects and the science, I think the bigger question is why. Why do people smoke marijuana? And the answer, right, is it's an escape. It's, it's used for unplugging. It's a disengagement. It's a way to tune out. Now, I know that that's not the only escape. People escape through all kinds of other things. But when you smoke marijuana, it triggers your brain to release large quantities of dopamine. That's that feel-good chemical. And it affects your memory and your movements and your thinking and your concentration and your coordination. It changes the way you process information. And I think strikingly, it inhibits your ability to make memories. I think that's a big deal. And so I would, I would say this. We need less escape and more engagement. I don't know what it is that you're walking through. It could be some really tough stuff. But I know the harder and more beneficial thing to do would be to work through that issue and figure out why it is that you need to escape in the first place. Less escape, more engagement, because our families need us to be engaged. Our places of employment need us leaning in. They need us being light and truth to the people around. If Salem is going to be a city at peace with God, it needs us engaged in the city, not disengaged. It needs us checked in and not checked out. That's how the difference is made. I want to close with this story. Genesis chapter 25. It has nothing to do with marijuana and everything to do with marijuana. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac had twin boys, Esau and Jacob. Esau was born... Seconds before Jacob, Jacob actually hanging on to his heel. But because Esau was born first, then he got the birthright. The birthright means this, that he got a double portion of dad's estate. It means that when dad's time was done, he was now the patriarch of the family. And it means that he got the family blessing. This was kind of a big deal. Now, Esau was a man of the woods and the wilderness, and he was a hunter, and Jacob kind of hung out around the tents a little bit more. And we find this story in, in Genesis 25, starting in verse 29. One day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Which I, I love that he said that. I love that like the younger brother just went for it. Right? 
What's the most important thing you have? I want it. He just goes. Aim high, people. Verse 32. Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? If you are a parent, you have heard your child say that. I'm dying. I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry right now. Our appetites have one word more, and they have one place on the clock now. Our appetites always will whisper now and never later. Our appetites always tell us to trade the ultimate for the immediate. That's what was happening with Esau. His appetite was telling him to trade this amazing, beautiful, ultimate thing for the immediate. Jacob said, first you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew and Esau ate the meal, then got up and left. He showed his contempt, he showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. And I added a sticky note to my Bible and I just put, and he was hungry again in four hours. Right? Hebrews chapter 12 says, make sure no one is like Esau. Who tried to get it back, it says, with bitter tears. But make sure no one is like Esau. Make sure you don't trade the ultimate for the immediate. Paul tried to warn the Philippians of this. In in Philippians chapter 3, he says, For I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, That there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Then he says these three things. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. And they think only about this life here on earth. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. And they think only about this life. That was Esau. Can you imagine if we, knowing what we know now, could bust in on the story of Esau? Like, what if we could show up and we could be like, just before he's about to trade his birthright and stop him, wait, Esau, wait, stop. What are you thinking right now? Why would you do this? It's bean stew. There's better things out there. Keep walking a little bit. Find something else. And he'd say, I'm starving to death. And so you'd have to go a little bit bigger and you'd say, listen, listen, In in a little while down the road, there's gonna be this guy, his name's Moses, he's gonna be super cool, they're gonna write all kind of stuff about him. Um, God's gonna introduce himself to Moses and he's gonna say this, Moses, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. Think about that. Esau, there's gonna be this New Testament. Well, there's an old one and then so they wrote a new one and, and then at the beginning of that, God is sending his son to earth. And at the very beginning, he's gonna say, Abraham was the father of Isaac and Isaac was the father of Esau. And through that line, the savior of the world is gonna come. Esau, don't trade the ultimate for the immediate. Look up, think about it. There's so many things that you could do. You have the power to do so many things, but you can't be overpowered by this appetite. We need to think the same way. I just want to close with these three handles for you. First is this, identify your appetites. I think we need to figure out what it is that drives us and ask, are they wise? 
Are these things glorifying to God? And maybe this is a conversation that you have with your family. If you're not sure what your appetites are, ask your spouse. They know for sure. What are the things that consume you? What are the things that control you? What are the things that you give yourself to? And there's a why question there. You know, to the person who's currently using marijuana, I would just ask why. What need is that fulfilling in your life? And you know what? It might be easy to to just sit there and be like, yeah, that's right, people who smoke marijuana. It's all of us. All of us have appetites. All of us give ourselves to things that we shouldn't. Why? What need is that fulfilling? And then, and then the, the now what? What do we do with that? Because there might be certain things that you need to give up, give over, give away. There might be certain things you need to stop. It might be, you might need to seek outside help. You might need to pull people around to pray, but we need to identify those things and ask why and ask now what? Second thing I would say as, as a student pastor and as a father, I would say this as well, and I would say it to all of us, avoid experimentation. You know, maybe you're around it. Maybe you haven't yet leaned in. And I would say, you know, there's enough out there that says, it's not wise. There's enough out there that says, man, that really has the potential to lead you down the wrong path. And you don't have to always like justify your standards with other people. It's enough for you to say, you know what? That's not the wise thing for me to do. I've heard so many stories this weekend from parents who are brokenhearted about their children because they've gone down that path. And so I would say avoid experimentation. And lastly, I would say this. Decide what story you want to tell with your life. What story do we want to tell? We can't afford to trade the ultimate for the immediate. And so that just, we need to lift our gaze. We need to look higher. We need to see broader. God is calling us to so much more. He says in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And that's what he's calling us to. We're gonna close in prayer in just a minute here. And I just wanna remind you that we have people here that would love to pray with you. Maybe you came with questions about who Jesus even is and you're wondering how you wandered into this message. We will have people by the cross after the service that would love to just talk to you and answer some questions and just lean in and listen. Or maybe you came and you have serious issues that you're dealing with and you want someone to lean in and pray with you. I'll have people on this side of the platform afterwards as well. Would you stand please though? And I just wanna close with this blessing, this benediction from Hebrews chapter 13. It says, now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Salem Alliance Church is a community of Jesus followers located in downtown Salem, Oregon. And we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. You can view today's entire service online at livestream.com backslash Salem Alliance.